you like a lot of football on your podcasts and other things, then this is hold and give. It's I might st- <laughs> I might stop doing that. You know, it just it doesn't feel right. It feels like I'm sleeping with somebody else, Jack. And- yeah, because I'd, I'd actually forgotten that we did that as the intro now, because I was expecting, you know, the words to the seminal New Order classic then. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. The, oh, I was trying to think, join our club. What? What? The, <laughs> <laughs> New World? I don't know what's going on. Anyway, did you know that Real Madrid beat their own reserve side in the 1980 Copa del Rey final? Madrid, of course, have won the Copa del Rey on 20 occasions in their illustrious and white history. That was a weird turn of phrase. You know what I'm trying to say, though? <laughs> They're called Los Blancos, aren't they? They all play in white, don't they? Uh, but their 1980 triumph is infamous because their opponents in the final was Real Madrid Castilla, who is, of course, their B team, essentially, who they did beat on that occasion. 6-1 at the Bernabeu. Castilla CF qualified directly for the next edition of the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup as a result of getting to the final. Isn't that crazy? I'm just quite glad that the B team managed to get a goal there. I can imagine that whoever was in charge of Real Madrid's you know, main team there probably gave someone a bollocking off the back of that. I was just about to say, could Rafa Benitez have been in that team? But 1980 probably was a bit too early for him. Oh yeah, probably. He's probably, you know, running a fish and chip van at age nine or something. Still, I don't know. I love Rafa Benitez. So do I, but he's still got that receding hairline even in 1980, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. There he is. Yeah, of course. The yeah, scouse this is poking through. But we're here this week. Well, I'll ask you how you doing. How's your week been? Um, all right. Busy. It's been very rainy here. Um, uh, <laughs> Merseyside Twitter was popping off yesterday because Conor McGregor apparently battered someone in a pub in Birkenhead. I did see uh, that. And the <laughs> runaway in the Range Rover. Yeah. Um, and then posted a voice note saying Birkenhead was his. And I was just like... It's such an odd little town, Birkenhead, and even odder when Conor McGregor's allegedly filling people in. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can't complain. How are you? I'm dying inside. I went to bed at all for three days and didn't really sleep and drank for three days. My liver hurts. My kidneys hurt. I've had this weird pain in my chest for a few days now that won't go away. I'm a day away from going to the doctors for that. It's all been terrible. I can't stop pooing through the eye of a needle. It's absolutely awful. How's your foot, though? Have you got gammy foot again, or is that okay? Me foot's, me foot's fine. I've got no blisters. I wear proper shoes now that agree with my feet, not those New Balance crap. I love a pair of New Balance. You just clearly got advised wrongly on that one. So did I. I loved them for years, and then I went... <laughs> let me tell you, I went for a two-mile walk to your view at the barber's one morning, came back with a blister the size of a giant orange. I don't know why yeah. giant orange came in my head, but that was how big it was. It was so big. Yeah, because I remember that um, you and I were the only ones in the office at the time because it was still social distancing and we were keeping our distance. But I had no internet because I just moved flat and you had just taken the office as your own because you were like, this is my domain. Yes. And you were just like, do you want to see my foot? And I was like, not really, uh, Ross. No, thank you. And you're like, go on, go on. It's peeling. It's horrible. And I was like, again? No, I'm fine. Thank you. And I unwrapped the bl- uh, me bandage, sorry, and showed you a bliss that had totally encapsulated my heel it was delightful mm. anyway mm. you're not here to hear about that sort of stuff are you you're here to see you're here to hear stuff about that happened on this day in football history oh yeah so we're, we're trialing something new <laughs> and this this all came about after a, a chat in the uh in in the group messages this morning and i thought you know what I'll save that. I'll save that for the podcast. So we are recording July 19th, 2023. On this day... Sorry, I went too early. I was waiting for the big, like, wait, here we go. 
Oh, go on then, right. Three, two, one. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> on this day, 1908, July 19th, Feyenoord was established in Rotterdam as a Wilhelmina. It became SC Feyenoord in 1912, SC Feyenoord, spelled differently, in 1974, and then Feyenoord Rotterdam in 1978. Isn't that lovely, Ross? Nah, because Feyenoord's got some link to the Mackhams. I don't know what the link is, but I think they're like the, <laughs> their Dutch sister club or something. I'm not sure how, what's gone on there, but yeah, I've got no time for Feyenoord. They can stick their 3-2 defeat in Newcastle up their arse <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. 2002, it's Bellamy! In off the goalkeeper, that's what I'm talking about. Feyenoord. All right, then, well, maybe on a better note. 1966, in one of the all-time World Cup upsets, North Korea beat Italy 1-0 in front of 17,829 at Ayrson Park, Middlesbrough. Hep the better. Hep, hep, uh, hep, hep, hep the better. Uh, North Korea became the first Asian country to qualify for the knockout stages of the World Cup, and Italy went home. Oh, did you say 17,000, mm. 1-7? 1-7, yeah. God, you would expect more from a football hotbed in the northeast of England, well, nearly the northeast of England. 1966, though. Actually, yeah, because people didn't really care for safety then. It was just like, oh, 2p for your ticket, get in, go on. Yeah, 10 men to a seat, you would probably say now these days. Right, do you want some more? This one one will hit you right in the the cockles of your heart. 2005, Emery joined Graeme Souness's Newcastle. Oh, he's a big, dirty racist, so he is. (laughs) Excuse me, (laughs) me throat went (laughs) I can't say too much glowing stuff about Emery after what went on with um oh what was it called that he split for Spurs, was it? Zakora? Z- was it the midfielder? I don't he, know. he kicked him in the chest. Talk oh, about God, no. Talk about Emery for a bit and I'll just I'll just firm this up just to make sure I'm not chatting bollocks again. <laughs> well it just he came in in big fanfare. Obviously I know that um Newcastle fans aren't really keen for Graeme Souness's time in charge, much like Liverpool fans aren't keen for Graeme Souness's time in charge. Came in a big whirlwind, I think he played what? Handful of times, and then we shipped off again, wasn't he? Injured a lot. No, well, he had a fair few injuries, but I, he, I remember we were signed up for like three point something million, which was like, oh, he's come from Inter Milan. He only cost three point something million. Mm. He played when Inter Milan like dicked on us in the Champions League a year or two before St James's Park. Recoba bending at the top corner, and Emre's there behind him going, because uh, he, <laughs> he was small. He was small, you see. Um, but I came in, he was quality, but it was the injury stuff that got in the way. I think he was here for two mm. two seasons, and we, he, he would have left in 2007. But I, he... I found the article, by the way, Didier Zakora, the former Spurs midfielder, uh, literally kicked racism out of football in 2012. Um, this is when uh, Zakora was playing for... A team in the Tur- Turkish Super League that I can't find. Uh, apparently heard a racial slur from Emery and then just kicked him in the chest and or bollocks, one of the two. And it was thoroughly good. deserved, obviously. Yeah, very good. So get out, Emery. It's not been a very good debut for this segment, has it? Well, it's going to get even better because this is what <laughs> spurred it on. So this morning in my group chat, my mate posted a uh, screenshot of his Facebook from uh, 2010 on this day. And I had a similar one because on this day... Joe Cole joined Roy Hodgson's Liverpool. <laughs> now, this is Joe um, Cole, who had just won the league with Chelsea and was one of the yeah. leading players for Chelsea and everyone said was, like, the best free signing, potentially in football history. Yeah, and we were all very, very excited and we were all we all posted on Facebook at the time. I just put, Joe Cole, yeah, because it's 2010 and I was an arsehole. Um, <laughs> and he wasn't very good at Liverpool. He got sent off in his debut against Arsenal. Um, one of my 
collector's items I have. I was present at Anfield for a Joe Cole goal, so I've got that one. I'll, I'll tell that to the grandkids. It was against <laughs> the Birmingham 2010-2011 season. We won 5-0. Um, Dirk Hout scored. Joe Cole scored, and it was Maxi Rodriguez hat trick when he had those two games on the bounce where he scored six and two. Well, he, and it was amazing. The other one was Fulham, was it? I think so. I think it was Fulham first. Like I couldn't even remember that it was against. Like it's become a running joke that my memory is terrible. I just remembered I've seen Joe Cole score, as did Maxi. Can't remember who it was against, so I had to Google it and like remind myself. In terms of how bad my memory is, this is a little segue. I saw one of because I've not long moved home bumped into one of my mates recently who'd not long ago had their second child. And I wasn't aware of it because I'd had a bit of a social media break. So I only found out recently. He was like, oh, I had a second kid. I didn't even know. Congratulations. And then we chatting for a minute. And then she went, hang on. I saw you last year at a wedding when I was seven months pregnant. So you definitely <laughs> knew. And I was just like, just went, just went, hadn't I? Um, but yeah, apart from my bad memory, there's 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 some great things that happened on this day in football history. We had Ross's favourite team, Feyenoord. We had we had a big dirty no, racist side for Newcastle. <laughs> we had Joe Cole joining Roy Hodgson. <laughs> Tune in next week for more underwhelming tales on this day. It's a thriller minute here on the Hold and Give Football <laughs> Podcast. My goodness. Anyway. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out as we go along. We are, yeah. But in the news this week, obviously, we've got to start with Delhi Ali. It's been a heavy week with uh, with this. It was a bit of a shock when the, the podcast got released with Gary Neville on the overlap, just thinking, oh, my God, what's this all about? He obviously opened up about his battles with sort of mental health and addiction and sexual abuse. Um, he, was, he just got back from a – he revealed in the interview, if you haven't seen it, he just got back from a six-week stint in rehab after his time in Turkey uh, came to an end. He was addicted to sleeping pills, something he says is more prevalent in football than people realise then he went on to say that he was sexually abused by his alcoholic mother's friend at the age of six and that's just led to all sorts of trauma that hasn't really left him even though now he's 27 he says trauma is trauma and we, I think we all know exactly like you know the, the trauma is trauma line how that affects everybody in that certain way not saying we understand that situation specifically yeah. but you know what I'm saying to say. Yeah, of course, yeah. I've got to stop saying yeah, of course, because you're just going to take a piss, Then after that, he was sent to South Africa to learn discipline. Then he was sent back to England. Then there's a quote here from the interview, which is unbelievable, saying, at seven, I started smoking. Eight, I started dealing drugs. An older person told me they wouldn't stop a kid on a bike, so I rode around with my football, and then underneath, I'd have the drugs. That was at eight. Eleven, I was hung off a bridge by a guy next to the estate, a man. I mean, this, this, you truly don't know, do you? You don't know what people have been through in life, do you? Um, but yeah. thankfully, by the age of 12, he, he was adopted by what he called an amazing family who he stayed with until the age of 16, and that's when his career started to kick off uh, with the MK Dons, and it went from there. But that, it, you don't know what, it's an emotional watch, isn't it? It was, yeah, really, I mean, you, you've just gone over the, the clip notes from it there, but it was a heavy watch. Um, I'd seen it trending, and then got it on my phone while I was potting around after work and I just like, you know, just doing stuff around the house, but I had to keep like stop and watch it. It was really rough and I, and I felt for the lad because obviously, like you said, we, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I remember, you know, I've taken the piss out of Dali Ali before. Like, um, I remember when he did, there was pictures of him doing balloons at a party, wasn't there? And people were saying he's throwing away his talent and all that. But obviously, like you said, he's been through some heavy, heavy stuff. So, yeah, I, I hope he can move on and gets the help he needs and continues 
to just do well. I hope it changes our. Yeah. I hope it changes our look at players as well. Because on the outside, obviously, looking at Deli Ali, had the world his feet when he was like you know all those years leading up to when he was about twenty one. Then it sort of started to decline. Then, as you say, the pictures with the laughing gas and whatnot seemed to be not like monthly, but it seemed to be like more regular than not. You would see something where Deli Ali was doing something he shouldn't be doing as a professional football player without knowing the reasons for that. He was coping with all that bollocks he went through as a child. So. Where yeah. this goes from here, we don't know. We sort of there was talk over the weekend there. I saw in the papers and Benidorm that uh, Pochettino might take him in at Chelsea, see if he can get him back to what he was when he was at Spurs. I mean, he goes on at length about how Pochettino really kind of nurtured him, and he had nothing but positive words to say about him and his backroom staff. So, if it's getting him into that environment that does him well, then yeah, go for it. He also said that you know Everton have been really understanding been giving him whatever he needed um like he said he's just been to rehab and he said they've been really good so at the end of the it, it's obviously at the end of the day it's a business it's got a, a move that's got to make sense for whatever club he goes to but he's still what did you say 26 27 27 yeah so he's not even reached his peak yet if if pochettino can get him cooking again yeah it, that'd be that'd be a good move for him and i don't know you know you'd i don't even know what this new look Chelsea's going to be so there could be a space for Deli Alley. Who knows? Yeah, and it's just hope he gets back on his feet. I tell you what, another bit of a, like a, a sort of like underlying, you know, bit of huge scoop, I guess, was should say is the, the the line about sleeping tablets in football, and it's something you never think about. I was just thinking, like, imagine Gerard on that night against Olympia. Well, any Champions League night, you know, the game finishes at ten, whatever, ten p.m. Yeah. at night. Then they got to calm down and get ready for training the next day. I never once put the bits together and thought, oh yeah, all these footballers might just, you know, have to have a sleeping tablet to calm down after a match. Yeah, I've never thought that as well because you. It's it's the old cliche, isn't it? Before a cup final, you're just like, oh, I bet he didn't get a wink of sleep last night, and it's like, well, yeah, probably not. And that's you, you can understand why uh, use of sleeping tab- tablets is so widespread. Yeah, bloody hell! Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going on in football? Ever and closed doors. Anyway, from there we go to Manchester City, or then former defender Benjamin Mendy's found himself a new club. This time for League Unside Lorient. Uh, Lorient. Uh, five days after he was cleared of something we can't say on the video we want to say it but the youtube sensors just pick it up and demonetize it already but since it's a football podcast and you're watching you know what we're talking about the left back who's 29 now uh, his city contract expired in the summer this summer he signed a two-year deal with the french club he was cleared of that thing we can't say but want to say but can't say at chester crown court on friday and uh, mendy if just in case you forgot because i certainly did he became the world's most expensive defender when manchester city paid monaco 52 million to sign him in 2017 he won the premier league in his first season before going on to win the World Cup at the end of that season and interestingly enough he last played a competitive game in August of 2021 and I just thought I'd say it because it's big news today I don't know what comment to make on it I don't know what if you have a comment to make on it oh yeah nothing no comments on the court case allegations all that stuff in terms of it being a footballing move you can understand why City weren't keen to re-up his contract if he's not played for nearly two years they've, mm. they've got a um, a treble to try and beat haven't they so it makes sense for them to ship him off and like you said for someone who was formerly the world's most def- expensive defender which I'd forgotten about it's, it's a good scoop in football in terms for Lorient if Mendy gets his form back 
Yes, right. Yeah. We've got the heavy stuff out the way early. It's time to wartish the podcast into the silly bollocks. That is Liverpool transfers to Saudi Arabia. First and foremost, we know that Jordan Henderson is currently considering an approach from Saudi Arabian site Al Eti. You know what? Because once again, if they hear that uh, syllable, they'll demonetize the video. Uh, once the one that's managed by Steven Gerrard, essentially, and who doesn't have any big names in the squad currently. Uh, news on this broke early today. Jackie Orlando over there told me that Jordan Henderson will not be involved in the Liverpool friendly. Again, it's it's Karlsruhe CSC this evening. Where the hell's that? Germany. Germany. Fantastic. Yeah. He's not going to be there, according to Fabrizio Romano. Of course, the rumour and innuendo says that it's £700,000 a week for Jordan Henderson over at Al Etty, you know what. He's 33 years old. He's basically completed football. It's one of those transfers that makes all the sense in the world. It's one of those ones, as a fan over here, you'd think, oh, yeah, fair enough, let's let it happen because he's completed football. It would obviously be more of a loss, I think, to the Liverpool dressing room than it would be to Liverpool on the pitch as they continue the rebuild in their midfield. Just in case you're wondering, he's got two years remaining on the four-year contract he signed back in 2021, so there would have to be a transfer fee involved. Uh, over his 12 years at Liverpool, he's won everything in 492 appearances in all competitions. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I'll delve into my thoughts on the matter of it a little later on in the podcast. In terms of... <laughs> From football and reasons like seven, like you put, like you were saying, uh, seven hundred grand a week is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, there was rumblings that El Etty um, were hoping to get him on a free. They were just under the impression that oh, we can get him on a free if we just like ask Liverpool nicely enough. Um, and obviously, two years left on his contract. You know, still the captain, big presence in the locker room. Uh, we've said absolutely not. The rumours and the words is somewhere between 10 to 20 million. Because uh, they've looked at some of the other deals that have gone to Saudi Arabia and they've just been like, well, no, if, you know, player B who's got no knees and hasn't done anything's going for 60 million, we want 20 million for a 33 year old Jordan Henderson. So. I'm making that noise because there's a transfer involved in my beloved Newcastle United going to Saudi Arabia, and the prices muted for that are a disgrace. But we'll get on to that mm. a bit later on. More on Liverpool now. Yeah, but um, yeah, for, for Henderson, it was he, he's a very divisive player amongst the fan base. Um, his legs are pretty much gone. He had a terrible season last season, as did quite a few players for Liverpool. If it's the double whammy of losing Milner and Henderson while we're in the middle of this rebuild. It's like, oh, it's it's not great, but I think it. I think he's he's gone. I don't think there's any chance of him staying now. No, and I'm guessing you're yeah. gonna maybe talk about that statement he made a couple of years ago in the the twat of the week segment. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I, I, I can only relate that to when Gary Speed left Newcastle because that was like Bobby Robson's one of his lieutenants in the dressing room. He left, mm-hmm. and then the likes of your Kieran dies and your Jermaine Genius has started taking the absolute piss out of Bobby Robson, and it cost him his job like a month into the season. So hopefully, something doesn't happen like that to Jurgen Klopp. You would assume not, but you know, stranger things have happened in football. Yeah, we seem to have quite a, a, a nice group of players in the, in the dressing room so and there's still leadership figures there like um van dyke's the dutch captain uh you've got andy robertson scottish captain and sobersly is the hungarian captain i think so there are leadership 
figures there, but like I said, Henderson's there. He's been a great servant to the club. Oh yes, right. If he goes for twenty million, that's what you you paid for him. Because I remember it yeah. might, I I lived with a scouse lad who was a he was a copite sat at the top of the cop at the end of the row, um, and he we had a, a mock press conference with the then I think she was the Sunderland chief executive. It was one disgrace in the whole Adam Johnson thing, Margaret Byrne. When I was at uni, it was about 2013, maybe. Um, yeah. Early parts of 2013, maybe the back end of 2012, we had like a mock press conference with her at university because I went to the University of Sunderland, for those who don't know. And the question he asked, we used to sit in the back row because we were the cool kids. Um, he said, how much... Do, well, I can't... Should I do the accent? Yeah, I'll do the accent. So he said this to Marvin, yeah. but like 200 journalists, uh, journalism students in this room, he goes, how much were you... Laughing when you paid or gave us twenty million for Jordan Henderson, and I was like, "Wow, how much times have changed now that you're sitting there going twenty million great seven to the club here in 2023?" <laughs> yeah, I, I, another another one that I have to tell the grandkids. I was there at Anfield for Jordan Henderson's first Liverpool goal. Um, off the top of my head, of course, I can't remember who it was against, but I, I remember sitting in the uh, the main stand. Jordan Henderson scored Charlie Adams' first Liverpool goal as well. He was a he was a great player, wasn't he? Yes, um, he was. That was a good signing for Liverpool. That it's weird how it didn't work out. He was he was an all right player, but we needed to be looking a bit better if we wanted to kick on. <laughs> and you know, this wasn't too long after we'd signed Joe Cole and Christian Poulsen and Milan Jovanovic and Paul Kincheski. And John but Joe. Yeah. Don't forget John Joe. How dare you? John Joe, John Joe did okay for us. He, he scored from near the halfway line against Chelsea once, I think. He's the next one, apparently. Now he's being banished from Nottingham Forest. Apparently, he's big Steve. He wants to get him back. Wants to get him, well, back with him over in Saudi Arabia. It's Al Etty, you know what? That would be box office, to be fair, John Joe Shell. <laughs> going absolutely mad in the Saudi League. That'd be fantastic. You know what we've not talked about on this podcast? It's that video of that lass who went back to John Joe Shelby's house and John Joe Shelby put his career highlights on the television for a girl I assume he wanted to fornicate with I don't know it, it looked like after a night out sort of thing he's trying to pull this lady you know to use some manly men vernacular and what he put on was his career highlights that would be like the equivalent of like <laughs> I was getting back after a set and you put on a playlist of straight to hell on <laughs> <laughs> this was my career highlight you know this interview with <laughs> Chelsea Green <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Chelsea Green, it's just the first name that came to mind. Um, but yes, what a what I don't what a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, very strange. I remember the the Mirror Twitter account never used to call him Shelby. They called him Hoodie because of that picture of a hoodie hanging on the back of a door that looked like John Joe Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> never seen that picture in my life. I'll try and find it for you later. But yeah, I tell you what, though, there's a, um, a bit of a, a story from my hometown of Morpeth up here in the northeast of England, where I was born and raised. Newcastle Football. This is from when this is published on the Daily Mail, or Mail Online back in 2019. Newcastle footballers, including former England star John Joe Shelby, are caught up in bust up outside pizza shop uh, just hours before jetting off on club's preseason tour of China. John Joe Shelvery and Carl Darlow involved in a melee after a night drinking. Carl Darlow was seen kicking a man in the back after he was pushed to the ground. A source said, a group of lads called Shelvy a bald see you next Tuesday. He laughed it off and told one, go back to your council house, you peasant. The footballer's 3am fracas could, uh, took place after a pub crawl in Morbeth, Northumberland, which is where Carl Darlow lives, by the way. At 10am, the Stars joined the team on a flight to China where they lost a game 4-0. That was the Steve Bruce era of Newcastle United. 
I didn't. I didn't mean to laugh at what sounded like a serious assault allegation. It was just the idea of imagine going to get a kebab and looking outside and Carl Darlow and Jojo Shelby are filling someone in. There's a video. If you want to look at the Mail Online website, just put that Newcastle footballers, including John Joe Shelby, just put that into Google. And there is a video on there of the fracas taking place, uh, the fracas taking place on Mortworth High Street. It's a thing mm. that happened. There is a nice little video there. So I don't know why I thought I'd bring it up, but I did. The other bit of Liverpool transfer news going to Saudi Arabia, well, the more con- more concrete one, is Fabinho. He's apparently been given permission to travel to Saudi Arabia to undergo a medical with Al Ittihad. The midfielder was admitted from the Red squad for their preseason tour of Germany that we mentioned earlier with that team that I couldn't say the name of. The two clubs, are new, and I said clubs like Rafa Benitez there, the two clubs are now close to agreeing terms over a 40 million deal. And Fabinho has already started saying his goodbyes on uh, Merseyside. Just in case you're wondering, I'll let you have the ones who uh, toppled Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser to win the uh, win last season's Saudi Pro League. And they're the ones who signed Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante so far this season. And the ones who are managed by Nuno Espirito Santo. Yeah, um, this is the one which is, it, it, it's the double gut punch, like I said, Liverpool, middle of a midfield rebuild, but potentially losing your captain and who is still your start and defensive mid in one swoop has uh, thrown a spanner into the works of pre-season. Because um, our hopes were, when when these rumours first started coming, we were like, right, okay, if, if Henderson leaves, if, if we can keep Fabinho, <clears throat> bring in an understudy, to have him play under Fabinho for at least a year and then, you know, do whatever with Fabinho, fully blood in this new player. Whereas now it's now looking like, right, we need to get someone in who can start. We've been linked with, God, let me get the list. Ducore from uh, Crystal Palace is the big one today. Yeah, there's Ducore, um, Lavia from Southampton, uh, Phillips from City. Ryan Gravenberch. What do you well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hey, hey, what do you mean? Phillips from a city. Well, Pep Guardiola basically said last season that he's fat and he's been injured and he's older than you think and he hasn't had any game time for a year. If this was the, the Phillips from Leeds, I'd be like, yeah, okay, but City's Phillips, it's different, different story, isn't it? I feel bad um, for Calvin Phillips that Pep Guardiola went public with that comment. That should have stayed behind oh, closed definitely. doors. That's, yeah. I, we don't know how much, how fat he was. It's not, it's, you know, he's not even fat, is he? He was never fat. How no. overweight he was, I guess we should say, for, for what Pep expects him to be. It might have been a kilogram. It might have been five kilograms. We don't know. Yeah. I thought he was out of order for doing that. Ball prick. Yeah. <laughs> Especially going back to the Deli Alley stuff and the uh, lazy quotes from Jose Mourinho and how they affected him. Um, that was unreal. Yeah. That's how they uh, they took the next week's meeting out the documentary. So everyone just thought, oh, that's how it went. When Mourinho was like, yeah. oh, you're a lazy guy, but then he apologised and said he trained well the next week. But that wasn't Man. in the documentary. Bollocks, that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, get, getting back to it. Yeah. So Calvin Phillips has been one of the ones linked. Uh, Graven Birch, Amrabat, and uh, Kimmich, which is never going to happen. But <laughs> I would. I'd I'd be putting money on Liverpool win the league if we somehow got Kimmich in for Bayern. But. Uh, <laughs> Not happening, is it? You know who you might go in for? Who I saw was put up for sale this week by Bayern Munich. Go on. Goretzka. Goretzka's been put up for sale for like 35 million or something. Was it 35? Because the the line I'd heard is that Goretzka and Kimmich aren't unsellable anymore, which to me doesn't really say that they're for sale. It's just that if someone came along with a big fat bag of cash and said, do you need help funding your Harry Kane move? That they'd be like, oh yeah, let's let him go. Um, 
I can see one of them leaving if they get a bid. I can't see him getting rid of both of them. But I bet you said I that know. about Milner and Henderson this summer, didn't you? I'm <laughs> Fabinho, jeez. Um, <laughs> if 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 we were playing football manager with the cheeks on, I'd be going for Kimmich and Lavia because Lavia is what nineteen. Yeah. Um, we'd been linked with him, and like we were saying before, there was the idea of bringing him in, having him learn under Fabinho, but that's gone out the window now. So. I don't know. I'll have to. I just hope we get someone. I, it's Liverpool. We might get no one. We might be like, oh, is Curtis Jones is like a new signing, isn't he? We can we can try him in the six. Oh, You've got Bajatich. What more do you need? That's true. But again, he's very young. He still needs someone to learn off. We've still got um, Thiago, who's not really an out and out DM, but and you can't really get more than ten games out of him a season. I don't know. I don't know. I'll wait and see. Just make Van Dijk a centre midfield. That's all you need to do. Uh, then we have the the yeah. less concrete rumour of Al Halal coming in for Luis Diaz for around forty three million pounds. And just to quote Jack Atkins on the other side of the screen, there, sit down, you gang of gimps. Yeah, forty three mil. No, not happening. <laughs> How much did you pay for him? I can't remember. It was less than forty mil, but we only had him. We we haven't had him that long, and we've just given him the number seven shirt. It's not happening. Who took the number nine this week? I saw that headline, but I didn't click on it because I didn't really care. It was that, <laughs> that 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 beautiful wild horse of a man, Darwin Nunes. He's number nine. He's oh, it, he's gonna crumble even more under the pressure, is he not? Oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. We were all getting excited this week because. Jürgen Klopp had a press conference and said, yeah, he reminds me of like Lewandowski because when Lewandowski came in, he couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo and we were just all like, oh, here we go. Is this when Lewandowski was a centre-half at the start of his career? <laughs> More than likely, yeah. But he's saying that they used, to have, they used to have bets with each other in training and he'd be like, oh, if you can score 10 on the bounce, I'll give you, you know, 20 euros or something like that. And yeah, and then he, you know, he eventually became... Robert Lewandowski so <laughs> <laughs> I still wonder what would happen if he went to Blackburn under Sam Allardyce remember those days that was that would have been one hell of a transfer from Lech Poznan I think it was <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah. uh, back to Diaz let's, let's do the Poznan <laughs> you, you paid 37.5 million pounds with up to 12.5 million pounds of add-ons of course yeah I, I knew that 12.5 million <laughs> of add-ons that's incredible I've never seen it that big before yeah, well, those kind of clauses are getting bigger and bigger because whatever is the reported transfer fee now is usually two thirds of what actually gets paid out, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Anyone mm. else go to Saudi Arabia? Or can we move on? Oh, I, I think we can move on. We're gonna move on. Uh, Barcelona. Move- oh, actually, no. The, obviously, from Newcastle. Well, yeah. Well, I was gonna leave it for the end because it's a it's a travesty. But uh, Alan Saint Maximan. Uh, financial fair play has been named by Eddie Howe as the reason why Alan St. Maximan is going to leave Newcastle. Uh, Howe says the impact of FFP and Eddie Howe wanting to sign someone to take the place of St. Maximan and the team is the reason why he's off to Saudi Arabia. Where he could have gone in the world, apart from there, it remains to be seen. It, it, I, I don't like the taste of us doing any transfer dealings with anyone in Saudi Arabia, let alone a club like Al Ali, who apparently the team who are in for him. Um, I saw a lot of people on last night, well, a fair few journalists and ITK accounts and stuff like that, saying £21 million for Alan St. Maximan. Uh, Craig Hope, who works for the Daily Mail, who's fairly on the ball with Newcastle stuff, uh, says £30 million for Alan St. Maximan. Now, we've got to ask questions about the deals that are like Koulibaly, 
I can't remember the figure he went for to Saudi Arabia off the top of my head, but it was way too much money compared to what he can actually offer them at this stage of his career. Alan St. Maximan is in the prime of his life. Yes, he's not Eddie Howe's type of footballer, that's fine. Eddie Howe ball does not suit Alan St. Maximan. Alan St. Maximan does not suit Alan 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 Ball Ball? Where the hell did that come from? Uh, Eddie Howe Ball. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's Eddie Alan Ball gonna do? Alan St. Maximan who's a yeah massive Alan Ball fan, of course. <laughs> He is the modern-day incarnation of Adam Ball, Alan Ball. And Adam Ball? I'm on a mare here today. It was clear from the get-go, of mainly from this season, that Alan St. Maximan was not Eddie Howe's cup of tea in terms of the high press and all that stuff that Eddie Howe brings to a football team. So the fact mm. he's going, I'm fine with. It's just the price when compared to other deals that have been sent to Saudi Arabia that makes me go like, let alone what's going on with Newcastle potentially and the Saudi state and this piff and all that sort of stuff, which I'm terrified of because I, I just get the feeling if we get asked questions of that entire thing, we won't be able to answer them. We'll be like, oh, we've been found out. That's the way I'm feeling at the moment. But I'm asking questions of Chelsea's dealings with Saudi Arabia and these other players who've gone for massive inflated transfer fees compared to a potential 30 million for Alan St. Maximan. Because that's a little bit too low, is it not? Am I being silly? Yeah. I know he. I know he doesn't. No. I know he doesn't score and assist many, but he's a hell of a talented footballer. Yeah, because how much was it that Neves went for recently? It was I'll oh, double that. I'll Google, I'll Google that while you say your feelings. Yeah, because obviously markets uh, fluctuate, don't they? And they're all structured on whatever deals have gone before, like the way that Chelsea's spree last season kind of buggered the market up for everyone else because they were paying over the odds. It's the same with Saudi Arabia because they paid over the odds for so many players now. When you are seeing someone like Alan coming in, in in his prime and being linked with that kind of move away, and like we were saying before with Jordan Henderson, I think it was the Koulibaly transfer that made us go, well, we want 20-odd million for Jordan Henderson if you're paying that much. It's, yeah, if you, if you judge it against the other ins and outs from the league, it seems very low. If this was the first approach for any player from the Saudi league and they said 20 to 30 million for Alan, you'd be like, oh, that seems, yeah, okay, because you don't know what they're playing with, but you know they've got the money, so put up or shut up. I mean, on one hand, it is like, it does feel like we're getting robbed a bit. On the other hand, I think we only paid 16 for him, so it is like we're doubling our money there after four good years of service. Like, he came when it was horrible. Yeah. The tactic wasn't to Steve Bruce just put St. Maximan up front and just kick the ball to him and just keep you the 10 players behind the ball. And he, the fact he came when the club was at its, like on its knees was fantastic just to see someone like that. He could have gone somewhere else, you would imagine. I know he had a little bit of a reputation for being a bit of a, a troublemaker when he was at Nice, but the fact he's, he's going to be 27 next March, it feels wrong. But then again, a lot of Did stuff you- with Saudi Arabia feels wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you think he'll be fondly remembered as a cult hero? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at his stats right now. It's it's 26 and 26 appearances, three goals in his first season, 25 and three, 35 and five, and then last season it was 25 and one. So he's not the guy who's going to get you the massive goals and assists, but he is that player that gets you out your seat, which is a Newcastle fan. It's what we want. We want a team of players to get us out of seat. We don't give a toss if we win or lose. It's just like. Kevin Keegan once said that Newcastle fans treat football like going to the theatre if you're from the south you go to the theatre on the weekend to be entertained we go to the football to be entertained as well so he was 
directly one of those like entertainer sort of players. He's obviously does wonderful stuff off the pitch as well. He did stuff in the little community here and stuff and his, his board game. He got bloody sick of hearing about that board game on Instagram. But he was certainly a character. But again, if anyhow thinks he doesn't fit into his team and Harvey Barnes fits what he wants to do better, which I think he does because he works harder, essentially. Mm. And I think he's got more of an end product as well compared to St. Maximinus. We saw for Harvey Barnes his 14 goals last season. I think it's a deal that does, you know, getting him out the door at least makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 one of those, isn't it, when a player you like is on the way out. But like you said, if it makes sense, it makes sense. Mm. But I'd be, I'd be looking for a couple more quid than that. So would I. Then we go to Barcelona, everybody. Barcelona have confirmed the signing of defensive midfielder Oriol Romeu from Girona. He's the man who's going to replace Sergio Busquets, whose contract expired at the end of the season and who signed to play for uh, Lionel Messi's Miami, uh, into Miami, uh, to occupy one of the club's designated player roster spots. Uh, Romeu previously spent eight years with Barcelona, playing for Barcelona B, making two appearances for the, uh, the senior side before moving to Chelsea in 2011. Apparently the fee's going to be €5 million Euros plus add-ons while young midfielder Pablo Torre or Tor one of the two pronunciations he goes to Girona in the other way for a loan for a season and also as Kieran at work pointed out today there is a 400 million euro release clause on this contract for some reason it's it, it really took me by surprise because obviously Romeo to Chelsea I remember when it happened but why played a handful of times and out on loan a few times more of a Southampton player and like you mentioned there Kieran and work is a big Southampton fan but when he put in that Euro release clause and we were joking saying they, they clearly mean 40 don't they, they definitely <laughs> mean 40 or do you reckon they're just trying to be cheeky because they're just skint and they're just like, oh, just make a 400 million, who knows? Who knows? Jen, what am I coming from? Jen, it's just a bit of man management going like, if we slap this on, he'll think he's Bertie Big Bollocks and he'll run through a brick wall for us. You'd think that if they were a kid, but he's been around a little while and he probably knows, you know, that he's he's good. If he's good enough to get a move to Barcelona, that should be, you know, enough of a, a pat on the back for him. But, but if you're only going for five million euros, come on, you can't pull the ball over someone's eyes that much. I guess so. Atletico Madrid forward Joe Felix has confirmed his desire to join Barcelona. Uh, Felix, of course, joined Chelsea on loan for the second half of last season, but only managed to bag four goals in 20 appearances. And obviously Chelsea didn't decide then to pursue a permanent transfer. What he's been saying about this to Fabrizio Romano, he said, I'd love to play for Barcelona. Barcelona has always been my first choice and I'd love to join Barcelona. Where do you think he wants to play it was always my dream since i was a kid if it happens it will be a dream come true for me uh, reports in spain that uh, say that barcelona actually struck a deal back in january 2022 to sign joao felix when he still had a reputation uh, to pay initial 70 million euros with a further 65 million euros in add-ons what uh, only ffp regulations got in the way of that one but now it looks like uh, felix is off to psg because of course he is <laughs> it was it was a weird move. His move to Chelsea is one of those that last season I was like Chelsea. If they if they click, they're gonna batter everyone. Oh my god! And then obviously they fell apart like wet cake, didn't they? Um, PSG. It'll be one of those. He'll probably stay there for three seasons, win everything, and look like he's dying inside every time he touches the football. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have the fans battering down his garden gates. That's what they love to do in Paris, <laughs> isn't it? Not, not, that made me sound like I was talking about the riots there. That's what they did to Neymar before the riots kicked off, I should say. Just to make that clear, they turned up at Neymar's house and were going, get out. Ugh. 
I've made it right. T- I like little. how I like I like how French that uh, uh, was. That <laughs> By the way, just in case you wondered as well, Eric Cantona has released a song. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing! I can't. It, we must. I must say, I didn't. I wasn't going to bring it up, and I forgot that I wasn't going to bring it up because it might have some historical significance to the people of France that I'm unaware of, and I don't want to be that typical arrogant Englishman who didn't doesn't give a toss about other places like traditions and stuff like that. Because it's not. It's not a toe tapper, is it, Jackins? It's not. It's a. It's it's a wistful it's a wistful number. It's one that makes you think. It's one. It was called. A, it's something about like the friends we lost or something like that. And I'm just going to read one of the YouTube comments that I highlighted there. Um, where's the Where's the comment? I need to find the comment now. I should be more prepared for this podcast. We spoke a lot yesterday. We never talked to each other outside this podcast. Why do we speak so much? Oh, it doesn't matter. Apparently, two big French composers or something like that were going to find it very good. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't take the piss out of it. Anyway, we move on. Man United have announced uh, that... Man- I was just going to say, but before you move on, though, please, if to you listening out there, seeking out, there's a bit about a minute into the into the video, and there's a shot that lingers for 10 seconds, and it's amazing. And you'll know it when you see it. I might make it the thumbnail yes. for this podcast. Yeah, do it, do it. It's the thumbnail for the podcast, if you can see it on YouTube and or Spotify. <laughs> right, Manchester United have announced that Marcus Rashford had signed a new contract until 2028. The forwards' previous deal was up at the end of next season, but the Red Devils have always been confident of tying him down to a new term contract, apparently, uh, despite lingering interest from PSG. £325,000 a week for a man who still, and I was not aware about this until looking at his record, he still hasn't reached 80 Premier League goals. He made his debut back in 2015-16 season. 239 Premier League appearances, 76 Premier League goals, 37 Premier League assists. But then again, you may be thinking that Eric Ten Hag could be the guy to get like that consistent top level out of a guy who did get 30 goals last season, to be fair to him. Yeah, his purple patch last season was superb because everyone was kind of saying, "Ah, this is the Rashford we've we've wait that United <laughs> fans have been there, uh, I've been waiting for." I, I like Marcus Rashford. I really like him, and I hate the fact that I like him because he seems like a really nice fella. I'm just like, "Oh, why'd you why'd you play for those baddies?" But you know, Man United probably think that Liverpool are baddies. It's one of them. Three hundred twenty-five grand a week is staggering, though. Um, in my head, it's still 200 grand for your top level players, 300 grand for your world superstars. <laughs> Maybe we're just too old now. I saw a stat saying, I don't know if it's a stat, but just a thing saying he's now the fourth highest paid player in the league. There's Haaland, who's the top, obviously. De Bruyne was second. I forget who third was, and then Rashford's fourth. Must be Salah. I think oh, Salah's yeah. on about. We, we, we had to break our wage structure to do it, though. I think he's somewhere approaching 400 grand, I think. Yeah, but Mohamed, Mohamed Salah is world oh. class. <laughs> oh. He did have a good season, didn't he? Yeah, it's, it's not my money. Uh, <laughs> it is, though. When you pay your ticket, it goes straight into Mo Salah's back pocket. That's that's okay. He seems like a lovely man as well. <laughs> um, on to some good news as well. Edwin Vardasar has been moved out of intensive care. 
<coughs> as he continues to recover from a brain bleed, the 52-year-old, of course, was hospitalised last week after suffering a brain hemorrhage while on holiday in Croatia. But after being stabilised, he was flown back to an intensive care unit in a Dutch hospital last week. There's a lovely picture shared on Twitter, I think it was yesterday or maybe today, I can't remember, uh, where he's just in a hospital bed with his wife where he says, I'm happy to share that I'm no longer in the intensive care unit. However, I'm still in the hospital. I hope to go home next week and take a next step in my recovery. And thank goodness for that terrifying scenes yeah definitely um like we said last week all, all the best of Vanessa I hope he makes a full recovery way I he left Ajax at the end of last season of course so who knows what his future will hold for him something we do know about someone's future is that Cristiano Ronaldo is not going back to any Premier League club he's been speaking in an interview with somebody I've forgotten to write down he says I'm 100% sure I won't return to any European club I'm 38 years old and European football has lost a lot of quality the only valid one still doing good is the Premier League they're way ahead of all the other leagues. Serie A was dead when I joined Juventus and then I re-energised it. There's more interest in where Cristiano plays. The same thing happened here in Saudi Arabia. I feel like a pioneer. Aye, a pioneer with a tiny dick, you whopper. What a small dick mentality to have. This comments come, of course, during an interview where <laughs> he still had to have a little dig at Lionel Messi. He's claimed that Europe, this is Ronaldo, claimed that European football, as I said, they lost a lot of quality and insists that the, the Saudi Pro League is better than the MLS, as if the debate about Messi and Ronaldo is still going on after Messi literally just won the World Cup. It was speaking to ESPN, he said this, by the way. He said, the Saudi League is better than MLS. I opened the way to the Saudi uh, the Saudi League. Now all the players are coming here. In one year, more and more top players will come to Saudi. In a year, the Saudi League will overtake the Turkish League, the Dutch League. The poor Turks and Ducks. <laughs> and I said the poor Turks and Ducks there as if they're just two sad <laughs> birds. The poor Turks and Dutch... <laughs> My head's still in Benidorm, I think. <laughs> but I, I want think to admit... your head is still in bed then, but... What do you think he's... of those tiny dick comments from Cristiano Ronaldo? He's an arsehole, isn't he? See, Man United, this is the kind of player you, you should be having. Not Marcus Rashford, not nice man for the community. You need arseholes like Ronaldo back in your squad. <laughs> um, I just hate the fact that we're still having the Ronaldo-Messi debate. Can we not concentrate on the, the young lads instead? <laughs> I mean, we should do, but it was it was over. Messi knocked him out good and proper with the World Cup win, did he not? Yeah, it, it was... I remember tweeting before that final saying, whoever wins, we all lose, because the Messi and Ronaldo lads are going to be insufferable. Because if Messi won, and then it's just like, oh, Penaldo, huh. And then if, you know, Argentina would have lost, it would have been like, huh, Messi. I hate it. I, hate oh, it I don't like that either. Um, Imagine no, Pira. There'll be Pira these days for Newcastle <laughs> fans. Oh, he's just Pira. It's just, like, football fans on social media have bad patter. Like, Van Dyke, when he has a bad game, gets called Van Disney. And it's like, that's rubbish. Van him, Disney? You know, Van, yeah, call him, like, Van Dickhead or something like that. Like, come on. Yeah, something original. It's, it's yeah, it's just rubbish. Van yeah. Prick. Van mm. Prick, that's better. Anyway, like, speaking about Lionel Messi, he came to this, he signed his, officially signed his contract with Inter Miami um, that was outlined a few weeks ago in the podcast where we spoke about the Apple tie-ins, uh, the Adidas tie-ins, the lots of money tie-ins, uh, the cut of shirt sale tie-ins, worth up to $150 million potentially over the next two and a half years. Speaking about the movie, he said... It's a fantastic opportunity, and together we will continue to build this beautiful project. <laughs> He's such a lovely man, isn't he? The idea to work together to achieve the objective we set, and I'm very eager to help start uh, to help 
to start helping here in my new home. The highlight of the thing for me, did you see any of the press conference the other day? No, but I heard about it. His son, Nutmeg Messi, on the pitch as they were walking around. Messi knew nothing about it. I imagine he would have stopped it because he's Lionel Messi. And also David Beckham. I think it was a little bit of rain or maybe it was a water gun or something like that. One of the pitch sprinklers, potentially. I don't know. It was wet. The rampway where Beckham was was very wet and he had to literally walk like Theresa May walking into a Tory press conference, but slower like that. Like, ooh because he had obviously his loafers on and he couldn't stand up on the on the very slippery surface. But apart from that, it was boring as balls. Yeah, but knowing Beckham, he probably styled it out, but that's what I heard afterwards, everyone saying, ah, slipping almost kind of, uh, we're clutching at straws here because you're a very handsome and talented man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, you were saying before, Busquets has joined him as well. That That pink Miami shirt is amazing. You know what I did? Um, oh, I've got and... a thing to show you, actually. Oh, here he goes. What's, what's he got? Is, is this something? This is probably something from Benidorm. I've been um, a DH. No, I've been, I've been a DH gate. Right? I picked this up for nine pounds. What's the quality like on it? Very good. It's got texture there. You can see, and it's just yeah, it feels real. Like the, the Adidas bits there, they feel a bit fake. The MLS patch, it's a bit ropey. But apart from that, for nine pound, <laughs> freedom to dream. <laughs> I tell you what, though, for nine pound, I made up from that. That's not bad. Yeah, I've 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 got a DHK bit. I've got a, a Columbia away shirt from like twenty eighteen. I want to say <laughs> my mates gave it to me. Said, "Run this." It's off DHK. It's a bit okay. He was like, "Yeah, I'm having that." <laughs> <laughs> it's nice for a second. Yeah, it's all right. Five a side shirt. Yeah, that's all you need it for. Exactly, yeah, and I, I wore that one to five side and my nipples didn't bleed, so that's all you can ask for. <laughs> I might have to do a video about DHK shirts, because I, I saw, obviously, the price of Newcastle's new kit was 70 quid. I was like, ooh, we're going to go to a few away games this year. Um, I better get myself a shirt, even though apparently being in Liverpool and wearing a football shirt's a bad thing. You're a dirty shirty. Yeah, you, you can you can only wear a football shirt if you're playing five side, if you're at a festival, or if you're on holiday. They're the rules. <laughs> or if you're in your house, if you're in your house, it's all right. But so, so I, I saw. Don't, the, don't be going the ground, innit? I saw the seventy pounds that Castore were asking for for their wonky stitching and their horrible quality shirts, and I was like, I'm not paying that. I don't like Castore. The club's got enough money, so they're not going to suffer. I'm going to take my first trip to DH Gates. So I bought two for the combined fee of twenty four quid, and a rush of blood saw the the Lionel Messi one added as well, and the. the Differences are staggering, but I'll make a video of that, out of that thing instead of just blowing on the podcast. We'll move on to Bayern Munich. I'll do it. Yeah, it's in, yeah, it's an interest, it. interesting world, isn't it? Football shit. Uh, but Bayern Munich mm-hmm. have confirmed the arrival of South Korean centre back Kim Min Jae uh, from Napoli. They've triggered his 50 million euro release clause to get him over the line. The 26 year old has enjoyed a whirlwind few years. Uh, he started in, uh, playing in his homeland in 2019. Then he moved to Chinese side Beijing Guan. I think I've said that right, hopefully. Then he would move to Europe two years later when he joined uh, Fenerbahce for 3 million. One successful season in Turkey, and it got him in. An 18 million euro move to Napoli and the centre-back is once again moving on after just 12 months at Napoli uh, Newcastle will link with him so obviously he's one of the world's best yeah not seeing too, too much of him obviously Napoli had a great season last year so why not cash in I mean their team's getting it. ripped apart yeah that is true um, has Fingy moved on yet the, um, the winger their the striker yeah um, their what what did you say 
I said striker. Oh, I thought you said shagger. Beg me pardon. I was like, there's shagger. <laughs> um, the winger with the, the, the little Peter Beardsley haircut that we can't say his name because I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Oh, God. We're, we're professionals, aren't we? The one that Newcastle... Has <laughs> that fella gone? I tell you what, I was flying back home from Benidorm at the weekend then. The news broke on Twitter. Newcastle's bid £82 million for this guy. And I was like, wow, we're in for Special K. That's a great move. <laughs> great move for all concerned. He'll be called Special K forevermore until I hear a football commentator say it so much that the right pronunciation's burning into my brain. Talking of Special K, um, what did you think of Tonali looking absolutely gutted to be sharing around Newcastle's facilities? Have you seen him on his private yacht with his model girlfriend? <laughs> the guy <laughs> the guy never smiles, so I'm not bothered about that at all. And by I the worry. way, his thing, it got mistranslated, by the way. He said uh, Newcastle's is bigger. The gym's bigger. And if you look at what the state... Is, is this... You look at the state of AC Milan's training ground, that lovely restaurant Newcastle just built, it's a world away. He was blown away. He was nearly crying. He was that emotional. He's hit the big time. So, because I remember that... I think it was Aiden saying the, the first... One of the first things he wanted to see change when you got taken over was you getting good training facilities. Are these all done now? Or are they building a new facility? The... the, the... They've added on to the existing training ground, the bit where, you know, Mike actually had mm. the wheelie bins filled with ice as ice baths. Uh, they've added on to that. Yeah. Like they've built extensions here, there, and everywhere. So they've got, like, a proper, like, cool-down bit. They've got a brand-new restaurant, new media facilities, like a cinema room for the place. So there's a fantastic tour video on YouTube of Shola Amiobi <laughs> walking around there, and he gets that, like, the, the bit with the pool. He's like, things get a bit steamy in here. <laughs> now, he's walking around the uh, he's walking around the restaurant, just takes a random bite out of an apple. It's a fantastic video. <laughs> he's got a real... Does, natural... does, he sound... <laughs> right? does he sound as much like Boise from Only Fools and Horses as you did? <laughs> the Geordie Boise, that's Shola Amiobi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're looking to build something like Leicester's somewhere, but they haven't found a site yet, so this was like a, a stuff for the next two or three years until they find that plot of land. And then I don't know what's going to happen to the existing training ground. I think I'll, I'll ask to move in. What a lovely place to live that would be. Why not? Get Aye. steamy in the swimming pool, apparently. Wish Sherlock Army Obi. Someone who won't be getting steamy in any swimming pool is Harry Maguire. Well, that's not fair. He might get steamy in his own swimming pool, I guess. But Eric Ten Hag has basically said to him, get out of my pub. Um, he's communicated to Harry Maguire that would be better. <laughs> the quote here in this article, it says, it would be better for all involved if he was to complete a transfer away from Manchester United this summer. Maguire himself, of course, over the weekend on social media confirmed that he has been stripped of the captaincy for next season. But in that massive social media post, he left off the most important bit where Eric Ten Hag has told him, get out of my pub, you slag! Go away! Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Harry Maguire seemed like a nice, normal lad before he joined Manchester United, but he does seem to have got so far up his own arse he can see out his own mouth. I go back to that celebration against, was it Lithuania he scores a goal against? Lithuania. And he gets on his knees doing a big slide going, ooh, I can't hear your criticisms, ooh. Get in the bin, Maguire, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like we were saying the other week, though. I mean... I'm not comparing Harry Maguire to David De Gea, but it, it seems a bit cold just saying, you're not the captain anymore, bugger off. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah, not just, on. I mean, not just that. You're not the captain anymore. Please leave the club. We're going to sign Johnny Evans to play in pre-season friendlies. <laughs> Johnny Evans. This was weird. <laughs> weird. 
It's a weird, really, weird. Really thin. Uh, Man United have signed Johnny Evans on a short-term deal, just in case you've got it. 35-year-old's been without a club since leaving Leicester at the end of last season. He signed a short-term contract, which allows him to partake in pre-season friendlies only, which starts against Leon today. That game might have already taken place by the time the podcast goes live. I've never seen this before, and I could only think it's down to not putting Johnny Evans through the indignity of having like a trialist where his name should be on the team sheet. Is he going to earn himself a contract? Is that what's, what's going to happen here? I don't know. Because um, this says to me that, again, like you're saying, I don't think they'd bring him in as a starter. I don't know if Ten Hag's thinking, right, we need to kind of get more voices of reason in this locker room. We need to get that proper winning mentality because he's had a, a decent he's had a good career Johnny Evans he, he's never been the greatest player but he was part of Ferguson's United squad and won everything pretty much perhaps he's maybe bloodening him to be part of his backroom staff maybe that's that's all I can take from this because otherwise signing Johnny Evans on a pre-season deal at 35 doesn't make any sense otherwise I mean, I think he's a, even as Peaky was a very, very good defender, just not quite at the level of Manchester United. I thought he's one of those players that maybe like Maguire, because Maguire's form, I don't know, I think Maguire had quite a good first season, didn't he? Then he got the captaincy. Mm-hmm. Then he just he fell way off. Or maybe he got the captaincy as soon as he arrived. I can't I'm not a Man United fan, I can't remember. But it feels like yeah. Man United might be too big for Maguire. And if he was at, you know, I don't know, Spurs or Newcastle, somewhere like that, somewhere like fifth, sixth, somewhere like that. Um that would suit him more down to the ground. That's what Evans showed when he was, you know, your, your West Broms and stuff like that. That's a weird thing to yeah. say because West Brom were never that high, were they? But you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like you're saying, not to put Johnny Evans down, but when you look at the players that were also in that squad, it was one of those that were just like, yeah, he's good, but he's not He's not like the, the pinnacle, which is what United were playing at at the time. But where, where do you see Maguire going? Well, apparently West Ham and Chelsea are the only two teams that are getting properly linked with them at the moment. And out of those two teams, I would probably say Chelsea's the more likely just because they've got they've got little to nobody else, which is a story we'll comment on now with the news that they've confirmed that Wesley Fofana is to go undergo surgery after rupturing his anterior, anterior cruciate ligament. Uh, the French defender did not travel with Chelsea to the United States for their pre-season tour after being diagnosed with the injury. Uh, the centre-back options they have currently are Thiago Silva, who's 57 years old, Barry Achille, who's a young lad who just arrived in January, I think. Uh, they also have Bashir Humphreys, who's a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old called Alfie Gilchrist, and that's it, because apparently Trevor Chalaber is also going to leave Chelsea this summer. There's um, Levi. It, or Levi Colwell. Because well, the- yeah, as, soon as, as soon as I heard that Fafana had ruptured his crucial ligament, because obviously Liverpool linked with... Uh, Cole will be like, Hatzel's not getting him then. Um, if they, because I know Chelsea are keen to tie him down because he looks like if he kicks on and shows, you know, that what promise he's shown already, if he can build upon that, he's going to be absolutely mustered. But I don't know. I, going back to Maguire slightly, I can see Maguire more at West Ham. I can imagine like uh, David Moyes not taking any of his rubbish at all and kind of like, grounding him again if you know what I mean not grounding him telling him that he can't you know play out with his friends for a week but <laughs> deflating his head a little yeah it feels um, it feels but, like the sort of side in West Ham would have made a few years ago like someone who's passed their best but will go down to West Ham on a big contract yeah 
Feels like that sort of move. Yeah, we, Maybe, I don't know if that move has left, has left West Ham, but then Danny Ings is there, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, that was a weird one, Danny Ings, because I was just when it happened, I was like, hang on, wasn't it? Wasn't it Villa? I, I, it was like, did I make that up? Isn't that just the same kit? But uh, yeah, he had that little little move, didn't he? He did, and he's lost all his hair now. Fair enough to him. I don't yeah. know why I even brought that yeah. up. <laughs> I like Danny Ings, yeah. <laughs> I like I like him as a player as well. He's one of Daishi's lieutenants. Sean Daish in the championship with Danny Ings. What a player. Anyway, FIFA president <laughs> and fellow bald man Gianni Infantino smugly deca- declared that the Winter's World Cup was the best ever World Cup. There was certainly the case from an economic perspective uh, because the international jamboree is uh, 90 minutes, but I think it was, uh, delivered more than $7.5 billion, which is £5.7 billion pounds in revenue in excess of one billion dollars uh, more than 2018's tournament in russia uh, bollocks about financials the most interesting part of this story is we learned how much every single player in the final squads made for being in the world cup so as runners up the entire french federation was afforded a bulk sum of 30 million dollars which is around 23 million pounds just as they did upon their triumph in 2018 the playing staff were uh, uh, sorry allotted 30 percent of the prize fund which equates to roughly 265,000 pounds per player Ooh, oh oh je ne sais quoi va va vous all those things. And then 90 Minutes have made an assumption here for the Argentine FA if they did the same thing as their French counterparts because they got what the French did, they didn't get what the Argentines did. So if they did the same thing and they were handed 30% of their total sum to their players, then Lionel Messi, all the, all the Argentine players, would have been given £370,000 each. Oh! Oh, yeah! Uh, during the 20... 20- <laughs> And I don't know why they threw this in, but during the 2022-2023 season, Messi earned more than £1 million a week from his salary at Paris Saint-Germain. I, I need, ah, imagine being class at football, how easy life would be. <laughs> Even just being okay at football, you'd have a good life. Being absolutely class. Oh, imagine being in, in League One or League Two, top end of League Two, maybe, and getting forty or fifty thousand pounds a year for playing football. You'd feel like a millionaire, wouldn't you? You'd feel like a millionaire. Yeah. And he's imagine there getting a million. Like one of, imagine being one of like Messi's close friends from childhood and being like, "Hey, Lionel, I've been with you all these years. Do you fancy giving me ten grand a week?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, yeah. As, as we all know, Lionel Messi's from Kirkdale. Um, <laughs> but that's... I, didn't, I, I, I knew that they got played, obviously, a FIFA turning off for the international teams, but I didn't realise, you know, winning the World Cup gave you that much as, you know, 300... What was it? 370 grand for winning the World Cup for an Argentine footballer? I didn't realise it was that much. No, it's, it's never really crossed my mind before. I just always assumed, oh, they'd probably get paid a flat rate for p- playing for the national team. And then in terms of like the big World Cup sponsors, that's where they get the money for playing in the World Cup. But yeah, yeah well, there's too much money in football, isn't there? There is too much money in football. But I guess we might as well mention the women as well, because I saw that the women were kicking off this week that they weren't getting the sort of same. It was the Australian team, wasn't it, saying they weren't getting the same as their male counterparts. But I think that's where the difference is. It's got nothing to do with the football. It's the it's all these big companies trying to get involved in the football that provides the, the yeah. men's game with more money than the women's. I think that's all it boils down to, does it not? I, I did see that um, I think the demand for tickets was the highest it's ever been for the Women's World Cup. Um, and which team was it the other year? Was it the Norway 
team were the first one to start paying the men's and women's teams equally, which, yeah, I don't see why not. Mm. But it's that that's always the, the the thing about the women's game. It is growing, and people are just like, oh, why aren't the, like the top women's players on like two hundred grand a week? And it's like because the sponsorship money's not there. And if it grows to a point where more sponsors get on board, then wages will rise. But I think you're it's, if, it's, you're laughing if you're a footballer who's just been born this year. If you're a, mm. a would-be footballer who's just been born this year, like a lady footballer, you know, getting involved in the women's game in you know 15 years, 16 years time turning pro, you'd assume more teams will be professional. So no, Newcastle's like, one of the few teams in England whose women's team are actually like fully time, full time professionals. Yeah, and they're in division, must be, division three, I think, out of four. <laughs> it must be like what Newcastle, Arsenal. I've got a really good women's team. I've Chelsea, Chelsea, well, yeah. Um, yeah, because my, my niece is, I think she's 15, going on 16, and she's mint. She's really good. But I said to my brother, I was like, oh, has, has there been any like scouting or anything? And he just went, she's already too old for it. And that's what? the women's game as well. Yeah, so too too old to be scouted. That He thinks they've they've missed the boat, really. So. No, get get it filmed on YouTube. Get that girl going that's viral. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, I don't know. She's she's a miserable little sod, so I, I might have to. <laughs> it might take might take some convincing. Fair enough. But I twenty years time the women's game they'll be on. It will be more equal, I think, because there'll be more sponsorship and as the game grows season on season, which it feels like it continues yeah. to do. That's where it'll be. Uh, Arsenal have confirmed the signing. Someone's ringing me. Hang on, who is it? Oh, it's my girlfriend. I'm, I'm podcasting, sorry. Um, Arsenal have announced the signing of Netherlands international <laughs> defender Jurian Timber um, after reading an agreement, uh, reaching an agreement with Ajax. It's £40 million for the 22-year-old who can play at centre-back and at right-back. Um, he joins Havertz and Rice as the, the, the three big summer signings for Arsenal who are building themselves a brand-new spine, it looks like. Yeah, I think uh, I looked. Arsenal's net spend is around £180 million so far. Um, and... The Ajax Academy, I've not seen much of Timber. We were linked with him at one point, but as soon as you hear Ajax Academy, you're like, ah, well, he's bound to be mint, isn't he? He comes from a good stock. <laughs> good good stock, that lad. Good stock. Good stock. Um, and speaking of good stock, we move on now to our highlight of the week. Do you want to go first this time? Yeah. Um, so, calling it a highlight is not really the right term, but... It was again that that Daily Alley interview was just it's must watch stuff. I think what has made me not smile because I never smile, but what's made me go, oh, thank God, is the amount of love and support that's come out from uh, online and in the terraces from fans and players alike. Um, I saw an Everton banner for their preseason tour, they made a big banner saying, you know, you're one of us, Delhi, you know, all that kind of stuff. People being really nice to him at signings and stuff and just getting behind the lad. It's it's been really nice to see. Football when it's when it's done right is just it's amazing. There's nothing like it. But it seems to be we don't see the good side of the game as much as we should really. Aye, and especially to to try and constitute as a highlight of the week sort of thing, him getting off his chest finally after a couple of decades of keeping it all in. Obviously, the knock-on effects that'll have for people who are in similar situations, seeing someone like that at the top of football has been through something similar. There's no downside to that, to doing that interview, I don't think, if that makes sense. No, yeah, because even himself at the end, I think Neville asked, what do you want to get out of this? And he says, if he just helps one person, then he's happy. Mm. So, up there, 
Up the Deli Alley. Up the Deli Alley, indeed. Um, now, I feel a bit bad for, for making my highlight of the week what it is this week, because Norwich City have released their new home shirt. It's not the best. It's their, obviously a horrible shade of yellow, because that's what Norwich do, accompanied by uh, a, a pretty bad shade of green, considering the shade of yellow that you, they use. And it's now got, like, hoops around it all the way down, like mm-hmm. one of those... Like a, a French mime artist, that sort of thing, but a bit more spaced out. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my mind. Help me out, will you? Well, well you know like, what I mean? Like, like, a, like a classic bank robber. Like a classic bank robber, yes. Um, so a uh, Norwich fan was asked about his opinions of the new Hor- Norwich home kit, and this is what he had to say. Final question, that new home kit is released. Are you going to go buy it or not? I already look disabled enough. Why would I wear that? I just can't follow that. Listen, enjoy the game today. Thanks for your time. Cheers. The context, Ross. He's in the, a the, the he's, question. I yeah. should have probably said this before. He's, he's in a wheelchair and he t- he takes it all in very good humour and it's a fantastic response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very good response. <laughs> it's a very good response. But yeah, we, we, we've got to have some levity on this show. It's it's fine. I'm not as your highlight of the week. I, I I thought you were going to pick Eric Cantona's song going into this. Well, again, I don't I don't know. I don't want to take the piss too much out in case it's got some important historical significance, mm. which it could do. The way it's said, it's not sang, it's, is it? Well, it's kind of sang, but it's more spoken than I, sang. <laughs> yeah, because I at first I thought it was I thought it was um, Cantona saying you know some of his famous. Proverbs, you know, like the seagull that follows the trawler, catches the fish and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's just Big Eric being from the heart, just like that Norwich fan was. Just like the Norwich fan was. We go from our highlight of the week to our twat of the week. I'll go first this time. I was struggling this week. There's not been too much to go off in terms of twats. I've gone for James Ward-Prowse. Now, of course, Southampton have slapped a, a reported £53 million price tag on him, which is absolutely ridiculous to begin with, even though he might be that important to Southampton. I still think that's ridiculous to put, essentially, a ball and chain on a guy who will surely want to leave for the betterment of his career and his England career and stuff like that. But with that, it surely now means that he can't put a foot wrong in any game if he wants to get himself a move because everyone would go and 53 million quid and you're doing that. Come on now, let's think about things. So in a pre-season friendly against Turkish side Goztep SK um, this week, he went and did what David Beckham did against the Turkish national team back in the day and he blazed it high, wide and Alan Hansen. It was an astonishing angle on the penalty. It basically just went straight up in front of him. I don't... I don't know how he did it. It didn't go like towards the bar and just sort of rise gently. <laughs> Careful, Ross. <laughs> it just went like that, didn't it? Straight up in the air. <laughs> it, it was it was a vertical kick. I don't know how he did it from a still ball position, but it was, that was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in my life. Now, there's no doubt he'll love Southampton, but I'm, I reckon James Ward-Prowse is gagging for a transfer this summer. So the fact he went and did that is not going to help his cause, and that's why he is my... Twat of the week. There's been bigger twats, we'll say that, but he's my twat of the I, week this week. I bet he was getting rinsed by his teammates as soon as they went in it as well, weren't they? He was like, oh, you're not going to get a move off that, are you? Yeah, you're going to have to stay here with me. Uh, uh, do you want to move into ours? We've got a bunk bed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, though, which one's worse, that one or the Beckham one? I think it's the Beckham one. Have you seen I mean, it? Turkey away before yeah. year 2004, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Just because it's Beckham and it was more high profile, probably. And he, he sliced it as well. It went up and slice, yeah. up and slice, up the slice. 
<laughs> up the seat and slice. Up the seat and slice. That's a place near Newcastle, everybody. What's your highlight? Uh, twat of the week. Sorry there, Jarkins. Is it me? <laughs> no, it's not. You you never are, Ross. Um, <laughs> as we alluded to before, it is the captain of Liverpool FC, Jordan Henderson. Um, it's been hard to kind of digest it because talking in pure football, I'll start with the football in terms of it. In terms of the fact that Henderson's deal got leaked out to the press and Fabinho's didn't suggest that he's been trying to maybe play with the press, if you know what I mean, to try and get his his move. He did it in 2021 when he was trying to get a new deal. Allegedly, it seemed like he was doing it in 2021 to try and get a new deal. Um, the fact that he's left Liverpool in the lurch as well. And also by doing this, um, if we do go in for any midfielders, they know that we're going to have... You know, money from his and Fabinho sales bearing a hole in our pocket. Um, again, the the big thing is though is that Henderson's been such an advocate for many noble causes. He was championing supporting the NHS through COVID. Um, but the biggest one is he's been one of the most high-profile players in the English game to support LGBTQ plus. Uh, community with you know through the rainbow laces campaign through statements he's put out um on social media in official press bits there was uh but obviously going to saudi arabia is a, a nation and a state that very harsh on lgbtq plus people um anything from what, like arrests jail time public shunning even worse it's 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 a bad look for him and obviously sitting here is two straight men who earn a, a nice wage we can't really comment on it too much cuz i'm sure if someone came to us and said here's 700 grand a week to do the same to do job. Your job yeah yeah i mean obviously we'd take it because we're definitely on not even a hundred grand a week, not even 10 grand a week. So, so that kind of question with the money until you put in that position, you're like, Oh, but he's hung himself out to dry. Um, and he's, if, if he does end up staying at Liverpool, he's, he's burnt a lot of bridges. There was a really good piece in the athletic, just trying to get it up this week from, yeah, Kiva O'Neill, who's, um, football writer for the athletic and his um i think she's gay and saying that you know to have someone like jordan henderson speaking on behalf of their community as an ally meant so much but now it's like oh you've turned your back on us um i i think if he does stay with liverpool he's gonna get not i don't think a full-on hostile reaction from the crowd but i don't think it's going to be warm um, it's the, it's the old adage, isn't it? You you know, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I don't. It's it's a hard one, like I said, to to really sum up as you know straight white men, but it's it's left a left a bad taste in the mouth. There's an update twelve minutes ago from Fabrizio on this one. He says exclusive. Liverpool and Al Etty, you know what, have just reached an agreement in principle on a fee for Jordan Henderson. Here we go. It's been said it's happening. Uh, Henderson already agreed a three-year deal last week. Documents to be checked, uh, then type to sign and move to Saudi. Steven Gerrard is now waiting for JH. So he's gone. It's, 
it's it, it, it's just you you, do, you don't want to see a legend of your team like kind of like leave like this as well. It feels like um, it was like Don Revy, obviously back in the day, um, great Leeds manager, ended up taking the England job and then just kind of like disappeared. I think he went to the Middle East and his career kind of ended under a bit of uncertainty. And it was like, ah, oh, you, you, you don't want to see someone kind of go out like that. I don't know. It's it's hard to really process my thoughts on it, but it's it's not it's not been great. It's yeah, not been, not been a good look. It's just because you can't see it from both sides, as you say. Like if we got offered to do the same job for that massive wage increase, even for him. You're probably just going to yeah. think about the, the future. That was the good thing about Ruben Neves, by the way, this week, coming out and saying, I've just done it because I think he said, my family's my greatest trophy or something like that, just to set his entire family up for generations to come with the wage you'll get over the next two or three years or whatever. So you can see it from that perspective. But the fact he was the one who put that statement out, it just makes it... Because you do sometimes feel that these sort of, when footballers, are, well, footballers as a whole really are doing sort of like show racism, the red card, and then we're still seeing examples of racism in global football no matter where we're even here in England mm. uh, the sort of rainbow laces campaign it just it makes it all feel hollow and you, you try to think it's not hollow but it, it clearly is still hollow yeah and it's it's one of those as well it's like it's it, it is just and this is going to sound terrible but it, it's easier to keep your mouth shut and unfortunately like I think this is I don't think it's it's set the Rainbow Laces campaign or anything like that back, but to see someone who's been such an ambassador for for Jordan Henderson having his head turned by the money, it's yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah, not good at all. Mm-hmm. We move on from the twat of the week segment. To, is there is there a wonder kid this week, Chatkins? I didn't ask you. There isn't. No, no. I thought I'd, I thought I'd do it every other week. The one week you ask as well. I'm absolutely. Good. I gave you that. I, I gave you that great. On this day section at the beginning, what you want out of it? I want everything. I want it all, and I want it now, as Freddie Mercury once said. Anyway, we move on then to the mailbag. I need to mention that the mailbag gets busier and busier every week, so thank you very much. If you're not hearing your question read out one week, please get back in contact. You'll get it here, read here the other week. I never I never take a note of any names. It's always just on the, on the fly. On the shoot. And I said on the shoot there. Well, not, it's not a wrestling podcast. On the fly. It's always just like, ooh, that's the best question. Let's put it in there. So we have the first one, which starts with hep the better big fan of the pod keep up the hep great the hep, hep, hep the better uh, keep up the great work lads my question is are there any players past or present that you just didn't get everyone swears they're brilliant and you just didn't see it mine for example is Raheem Sterling for a man that's had a fantastic career I've never seen why he's been so highly rated thanks peace and love from Jay so then I've heard on the grapevine that you've got several examples here I've got a couple yeah because I have to I, I I sat down and thought about this because you know a little peek to how the sausage is made. We're we're not just completely flying by the seat of our <laughs> pants. Usually, with only about ten minutes to spare, we'll send each other notes and be like, right, have we, have we got this, this, and this? Um, so I was having to think, and obviously the other week I said about at first I wasn't sure about Kaka, but obviously, you know, Kaka is Kaka, and I soon shut up. And this one, in terms of full career, the first name that came to mind, and it wasn't like a superstar that everyone said was amazing, but Mikel John Obi jumped out for me because he was just 300... a guy who was sitting in front of the back four and just passing from side to side. Jack Colback did that for Newcastle for years. Yeah, but like Obi, I remember because at first Ferguson wanted him at United and it seemed like it was all done and then he went to Chelsea and Ferguson was fuming. 
372 Chelsea appearances in all competitions and won the lot. But I couldn't really tell you anything he ever did. Um, <laughs> he passed the ball sideways. <laughs> yeah, he, he was just there. In terms of someone who, again, didn't have a great career but was more high profile, Jack Wilshire. I remember when he first came oh, out. Oh, you can't be saying he didn't get him now. Come on. Norwich goal was incredible. But people were falling over him like he was the second coming. And I was like, hey, he really? he, he had that preseason tournament when he was 16. I remember watching it on Sky. I think it was the, before the 08-09 season. I hope I'm right there. And I can't remember who they played against, but Wilshire was like 16 then. And he was taking the piss out of people. He was a proper talent. And it, it's a shame that injuries got in the way of his career. Pre-seasons don't count, though, Ross. Like when uh, Owen Wilson and I were fondly remembering Jen Shakiri's overhead no, no, kick no, no, against no, 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 no. Pre-seasons count. Pre-seasons don't count when you say, we all remember where we were when a meaningless pre-season goal went in. That's where the line is. You went over the line saying, we all remember, with no hint of irony, because, of course, when you type things out on Slack and other messaging services, you can clearly detect the irony. I took that as a legitimate comment from you because that's just, you know, sometimes, no offence, sometimes Liverpool fans can be a bit that way, you know, thinking they're the greatest thing. Yeah. Like, uh, you invented sitting down the other week, I saw. There was, there was another team that... <laughs> there was another team that... Uh, he's holding up seven fingers towards me. <laughs> Is it seven or six? I can't quite see. Six. 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 <laughs> Beg me pardon. <laughs> um, there was a... Some other team for an ounce the player had them sitting down in a chair with a bit like retro background and stuff, and someone was like, eh, they've copied us! Ah, they've copied us! And someone quoted saying, yes. they've, they've invented sitting down now, the Scousers. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, Wilshire, I, I, I didn't see the hype. I just thought, no, we're, we're building this lad too, up too much. And like you said, injuries did rob him of what he could have achieved. But I was just like, eh, nah, not, not for me. Tell you what, the, the one that was for me, until he came to the Premier League in 2016, it was Latan. Oh, really? I thought he was t- more known for obviously being a bit of a, you know, his character off the pitch and the interviews and whatnot. I just thought as a footballer, he obviously he, he goes abroad and then it felt like when he went to PSG, that's when he started being like, oh, I am the Zlatan, the greatest, that and the other. But then when he came to the Premier League, I was like, oh, he's a fairly decent player. He's a fairly decent player because yeah. he was like he was 36 or whatever back then and he was still ri- ripping things up. So up until 2016, the player who fits this question for me was Latan. Because you go through the stuff with Guardiola at... Uh, at Barcelona, didn't work mm. out there. He went to Paris Saint-Germain after it not really working out. Inter, I guess, as well. And Milan was thrown in there, mm. I guess. And yeah, just it, for what, what people used to say about Zlatan up until he came to Man United, that was like, yeah, he's not, he's not all that, is he? Is he? Come on now. Well, so, so you just felt like he was like a glorified journeyman. Yeah, a glorified Kevin Davies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. I'm joking. <laughs> it's a glorified oh. Peter Crouch. Oh, I had a little bit of Peter Crouch. I mean, he didn't score in like his first. Oh, steady on. It was very under my breath that his first like 85 games for Liverpool, but I got a little bit of Peter Crouch. I love his first goal. Or it just gets deflected and then the keeper throws it in. <laughs> and you know he milked that for all his worth as well. Oh, yeah. Nah. Have you got any more that oh, you didn't rate before we move on? No, no, that's, that's everything for my did not rate. 
There you go. I'm sure this is the end of the podcast after hearing I didn't rate Slatan before he joined Man United. Good day, Dr. Hold and Mr. Give. Got a bit of a, a philosophical question for you. What's your opinion on fans of football clubs who weren't born in the area of that club? For instance, I'm in Australia, but I follow West Ham. I've never been to England in brackets yet, and the only reason I follow them is when I was a kid and I played football slash soccer, and all the teams were given Premier League team names. Mine was West Ham, and it's stuck ever since. Just curious on your opinion. Cheers, lads. Up. Oh! The Irons. Frank from Brisbane, Australia. All the best. Uh, do you want to go first? For me? Oh, no. Have I just missed? I've, yeah, I've missed him out. So he's put Frank from Brisbane, Australia. All the best underneath. Former Swansea City striker and one season wonder, Michu, a.k.a. Jack. Not Atkins. Is that from a different mailbag? That might be from a mailbag that I cut out in in, in, in favour of this other one. Jack, I'm very sorry, but your mailbag got cut this week. I feel like an arsehole now, but that is the cutthroat nature of a free question Ooh. mailbag. Um, so sorry, Jack, for uh, slash meet you. Um, but also, I think there needs to be... a. T- Obviously, that's a very nice reason that... Um, the Frank's given there. Obviously, being in Australia, not much access to the Premier League for obvious reasons. It's the other side of the bastard world. It's the fact that he was yeah, having a game when he was a kid, formative years and all that sort of stuff, given West Ham and it's stuck. That's a nice reason. But I would say if you're in the country, if you're in England, and let's say you're from London and you support Manchester United, for example, I don't know why that one came to my head, um, I think there needs to be a tie in there with your family for it to, for it to be okay. If it's not, you're just a glory seeker. If, mm. if you're from Newcastle and you support Southampton, then I'm asking why, and I want to know why, because that's not the, the the trodden path, is it? But I like for yeah. there to be some sort of um, some sort of legitimate reason that you support a football team. I think that's the way it should be as well. In, in terms of overseas fans, yeah, no problem with it at all. Um, I lived over in Canada for a couple of years, and I used to have to get up at like six a.m. go to the Liverpool bar to watch games and it was packed full of there was just this really angry Canadian guy next to me he used to go ballistic but if you're a passionate fan you're a passionate fan the only issues are when Liverpool and other clubs start catering to the overseas and like day tripper fans more than the bread and butter because they know that the fans who come week in week out aren't going to spend money in the club shop they're probably going to go to the pie shop outside rather than buying the liverpool branded hot dogs so they do see outside and overseas fans as you know just a a revenue stream but if if you support the team you support the team um for me i was given a like i don't follow the bundesliga but as a kid i was given a munch and gladbach t-shirt so if anyone ever asked me who's my german team i'm just like oh Munching Gladbach, obviously. <laughs> Couldn't tell you who plays for him currently. Um, but it's just one of those. I also had a a Detroit Red Wings hockey poster on the wall when I was a kid. So if anyone asked me my hockey team, like, oh, I'm a Red Wings guy, but I haven't watched hockey properly in a good decade. So it's, yeah, if, 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 if you've got a real passion for it and you're up in the irons, then up the irons to your heart's content. I hope you can get to the Olympic Stadium for, for a game well, yeah, but if you're just picking yeah. the more successful teams because you can't be you don't want to support your local team because they're a bit worse that means you're the worst person who's ever lived yeah there's a, there's a lot of those people on Twitter that I'm not overly fond of they're just like haha lose a pool it's like hang on lollapoo <laughs> oh, you, you support you support Man City and Real Madrid and you're from I don't know, uh, Dan Bosch. What's going on there? You know, <laughs> I tell you what, though, my kind of stuff's a bit weird. the reason for my German team is an awful one. FIFA 13. Do you remember that? FIFA 13. Do you, do you ever play that game? 
I didn't play FIFA. I, the last FIFA game I played was FIFA 12, and that was the first one I played since FIFA 2001, I think. I'm not a FIFA guy. The Dortmund team on that FIFA 13 is the reason why I'm a, like, Dortmund are my German team. That's the only reason. And the yellow wall. I like the yellow wall and the, 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 the displays and whatnot, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. My... My cousin is a, was a Dortmund fan because he had a friend of the family who was from Dortmund uh, and used to send stuff over to him. He had like a big like Dortmund gnome and stuff like that and all the shirts when he was a kid. But he got himself into a, a, a weird position because he used to work on the road a lot and used to work in Leeds and he was a Liverpool season ticket holder. But because he was working in Leeds a lot and this was when Leeds were lower league, he started going to Elland Road and became a Leeds fan. So when Leeds got promoted to the Premier League, he was like, ah, I've now got two teams. This is a bit weird. <laughs> so, got to get rid of one. You can't have two. That's a no, thing. kept them both. Oh. Kept them both. Yeah. Yeah. That's made me feel a bit yeah. sick, that. Made me feel a bit Obviously, sick. Obviously, when it was Liverpool versus Leeds, he was fully Liverpool, but he was... Yeah, it, it became weird. I've never actually spoken with him about it, but I watched it happen as they were creeping up. And I was like, oh... Let's, let's see what happens if they get to the Premier League. But. i tell you what the worst thing is, though. Fans of a football league team having a Premier League team as well. Mm. I, went, there was, I went to uni with a lad who was a Rochdale fan, and I hope he doesn't listen to this because his dad was a Spurs fan. He's, I think his dad went to that FA Cup final when it was Coventry versus Spurs, the Ricky Villa mm. one, and he saw that happen. He became a Spurs fan and went on his way home. <laughs> is that not the worst thing you've ever heard? So because That's of that... Um, the 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 lad I lived with at uni, who was a Rochdale fan, also supported Spurs in the Premier League, which was really annoying. Obviously, when I was at uni, it was between twenty eleven and twenty fourteen, which is when Spurs were really good. And apart from that one season when we finished fifth, Newcastle were bloody rotten. Mm. <laughs> so he would obviously have to uh, a lot of gloating to do when Newcastle played Spurs because I'd more times than not Spurs would thwack all over Newcastle. But it would make me sick I- thinking you're a Rochdale fan, really, you dirty boy. I- I- how do you feel about it the other way around? Because, like, obviously I've got a soft spot for Tramia because they're well, That's local your local team. team, yeah. Your local team's fine. I've got a yeah. soft spot for Mortbeth as well as Newcastle. Not so much Blythe, yeah. but yeah, you go. <laughs> You're not a fan of the Spartans, though. Dirty Blythe, dirty Blythe. Quick slice of breaking news before we crack on with the last question from the mailbag. Obviously, that Jordan Henderson discussion was the big question this week, so that mailbag question will be the last one this week, the last bit of the podcast. Mares has gone to Saudi Arabia now. It's being confirmed, it looks like, to Al Ali. Mm. Ali! Yes. What are you doing, Ali? Oh, Ali. Oh, fuck. Hey, Ali. Oh, I was about to say it then. I had to stop myself. Um, yeah, uh, as I said in the workshop, then another one bites the dust. And Onana has just been confirmed to Man United. Fabrizio's put a tick and a red circle and a pen with a hand and hashtag, good God, MUFC. I tell you what, I can't do three days of drinking again because my insides have not been right ever since. As I spoke about earlier, I just... Peel the curtain back, I'm going for it. I've just had to go for a mid-podcast poo. It's been terrible, everybody. Anyway, you didn't need to know that. We'll go to the last question in the mailbag after those two bits of breaking transfer news that we covered there. Hey, fellas, it says, love the podcast. After Premier League legend Robbie Keane was appointed the head coach of Maccabi Tel Aviv, my question is, what is the weirdest club you remember a big name signing for? HC or... HC... What? In brackets, HC or player MLS or Saudi Arabia don't count. HC... Head coach. Ah, 
you're a clever boy. <laughs> Yours, former Liverpool winger and current Israeli national team general manager, Yossi Benayoun, a.k.a. Toma from Israel. Thank you very much, Toma. Is that true about Yossi Benayoun? I didn't know that. Me what, neither. That he, 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 that he formerly played for Liverpool. Oh, yeah. I never he forget. a bit of Yossi Benayoun. Never forget being in my hotel in Malta in the summer of 2005, reading the paper saying, Newcastle have agreed a deal for Israeli international Yossi Benayoun. And he goes to West Ham. <laughs> he just he's a, lovely, a lovely player I, yeah and I can't I can't imagine him being a general manager for or in any kind of management setup because he just seemed like such a nice like a man. wallflower but yeah he was just there just kind of like you're right it's like alright you'll see how you're doing yeah um, so yeah. when I've heard that question there my mind went straight to Alan Pardew and what's happened to him over the last few years? I'm going to have to get it up in front of me now just to make sure I get the teams right. So, after leaving Newcastle in 2014, he had his stint at Crystal Palace in 15-16, that ill-fated West Brom taxi-ridden bit in 17-18. Then he went to Ado Den Haag in Holland. Then he was like... I need to find the position now, the actual thing he had. Let me just find it for a second. Where is he? Come on now. He was appointed advisor on football matters to the owners of CSK Sofia. Advisor on Football Matters was his job title. Then after leaving that job, after going on two years in that job, um, he was then appointed the new manager of Greek Super League club, Aris Thessalonica. That was hard, that. But Alan Pardew is the first (laughs) name that came to my mind there when thinking about weird... He's not even a big name, is he? It's a weird career trajectory, isn't it? Wee! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, in hindsight, if we're going with managers, it, this one just popped into my head. Uh, when was it? Roy Hodgson was at Inter. That one's weird. In, in the mid nineties. <laughs> yeah, looking really cool in a Mac. Um, <laughs> but for players, the first one that came to me was uh, Campiasso to Leicester. Was he, mad. He was at the end of his career. To be fair, I'm just playing devil's advocate with you. Yeah, but the fact that it was just like, oh, Leicester have just been promoted and they've signed. Esteban Cambiasso, and I was just like, "Ooh, ooh, spicy!" Um, was it once? Once again, he was the, he left before the yeah, dominant run, didn't he? Yeah. Um, there was Tevez Mascherano to West Ham was odd because as soon as that happened, we all went, "Oh, that's so, something's a bit dodgy there. Something's a bit off there." Um, who else? I thought Thomas Gravison to Real Madrid. Thomas Gravison to Real Madrid. That's like the other, the other direction, isn't it? Yeah. Like the, the, the smaller name going to the bigger club. I guess you could throw Julian Faubert into that one as well if yeah. he went, when he went to Real Madrid. Adebayo maybe as well, but he had more of a reputation, didn't he, to get to Real Madrid? Oh, yeah. JJ uh, uh, Acocha to Bolton. But all of them to Bolton. Fiando Herrera, uh, yeah. uh, Ivan, yeah. uh, sorry, Ivan Campo. Uh, yeah. Uh, what it was, was he, amazing? Oh, what was he called? Bounces, the, the, the Mexican guy, Mexican striker. Oh, I've forgotten his name. He was Bob, uh, not Bobich. Oh, yeah, Bobich, I guess, could get thrown in there. Mm. Mexican striker Bolton. I can think of his name, but I can't remember. That was it. Jared Borghetti. Do you remember him? No. What a player. Uh, no. His nickname was the Desert Fox. <laughs> Oh, when it wasn't wasn't that the nickname of Erwin uh, Rommel, the Nazi general? 
But yeah, uh, Edgar Davids the Barnes. Let, let's end up on that. <laughs> Edgar Davids the Barnes, yeah. When he gave himself the number one shirt because he felt he was the best. <laughs> when he was like 45 years old at the time. And even then I was still like, yeah, but it's Edgar Davids. He's tasty in the tackle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Then that's the mailbag for this week. If you want your mailbag potentially read out next week, as I say, it's getting busier week on week, which is very nice to see. So thank you very much. It's Ross at mail, uh, mail Ross at holdandgive.com. Is it? I'm not even sure about that's right now. Is it? Yeah, I would have, yeah. Ross at holdandgive.com. It is, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Ross at holdandgive.com. My, I tell you, it's not been a good week. You're too old for the session now, Ross. <laughs> Officially, I am. It's a horrible you're, thing you're... to go through. You'll get like me soon where you're forgetting everything. I'm I'm not at that stage yet where I'm mispronouncing every footballer's name like your drunk uncle, but I feel <laughs> that's in my future. But, uh, yeah, it's a slippery slope, mate. Oh, it's been 31st birthday in two weeks' time, so it's, the, the decline's going to get even more rapid, I feel. Um, so there we go. That was Holden Game Football Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, subscribe. Do all that sort of bollocks that people ask for endlessly. Turn on your notifications bells. <laughs> As I say, the mailbag is at that address there, Ross, at HoldenGive.com. Jack Atkins will be back next week with a one-day kid, hopefully, because that's my favourite segment. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll treat you. Me buy me buy weekly wonder kid. That's what I, that's what I live for. Um, so any closing <laughs> remarks before we go away? Obviously the big question was Jordan Henderson. We said there uh, is he right to go? We can see it from both sides, can't we? But it just feels a bit a bit. Ugh. Yeah, because it's it is one of those that it's it's easy for us to comment. But if we were put in that situation, I'm sure if we were offering offered a stupid amount of money, you know, some of our morals might go out the window. You'd like to think they wouldn't, but until you get tested, you, you never you never know for sure, do you? You don't. So that was it. That was Home Gear Football Podcast. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you next week at a roughly the same time. Up the bar. Up the better. <laughs> and up the up the up the the the, the, the desert fox. The uh, the Jared Bolgetti version, obviously not the. Uh, I was just looking at his career there. It's not good at all. I don't know where I plucked his name from. He's went from. At- <laughs> Atlas to Santos Laguna to Sinaiola to Pachucha to Bolton. <laughs> what have I talked about there? To be fair, for Mexico, 89 appearances, 46 goals. That's pretty good. Desert Fox.